Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Morgan. For the last five years, I've been flirting with the beer industry here in Tasmania. For the last two, I've been running a small beer festival in Hobart, and it's going really well. I've met so many people, both in the beer industry and, like me, on the outside of it. For the last year and a half, I've been thinking about doing this, which is trying to get an understanding about what makes these people tick and put it on tape put it up for other people who are like-minded to want to listen to. Now, this won't be a weekly podcast. If you're lucky, you might get once a month. But hopefully they're interesting enough to want to listen to. First up is a guy I've been friends with now for about six years, Chris Stewart. He moved over from the UK, has settled down and is growing a family. But that's not the only thing he's doing. He's making some amazing sour beer. He's just an amateur, but the beers that he's making can be described as wonderfully complex, really interesting recipes, things that make you think. So I thought, why not start out with Chris? I know him. He's easy to talk to. And, you know, it's always good to have an international guest on the first podcast, even if he lives here. So I sat down with him and had a brief chat. So it's recording now. I can take all this stuff off. Just yeah, pretend that's right. that that's not there. Perhaps. I've um, been friends for a while now. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Five years or so? Five years or so. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, where we started out is uh, a very similar base, talking about normal beers, having ales. Mm. You've gone off on a different tangent. What is it? Do you like seeing people's faces just screwed up in a big, <laughs> a big sourpuss face? What is it? No, I guess I just like playing. It's probably the chef in me. Yeah. Wants to sort of recreate... I'm not, yeah, and I like reading about beer styles as well. I'm on, like with a recipe for beer or for food. If I see something I haven't made before, then I just want to make it, see what it's like. And uh, sour beers definitely became the, the style that I enjoyed the most. Bit of a go-to. I think probably for, since I bought a a, um, a bottle of um, Lindemann's Farrow, I think it was from Cool Wine, yeah. yeah, and that was like a cross between lemonade and beer, but much tarter, and that's what got me hooked. I've always enjoyed sour stuff anyway. Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely an acquired taste. Mm, it is because it doesn't. It's not malty. Yeah, it's not I, what people want when they go, you know, expect a pint of beer. They expect something malty, hoppy. Yeah, and I I definitely think that you know people's experiences with beer these days start out pretty much with a very simple lager or an ale. Oh yeah. So how do how do you think people find sour beers? Like in terms of actually discovering them, is it like through people who have already got an interest in sour beer, or is it something that you think is part of a natural progression if you're into beer? I don't think it's part of a natural progression if you're into beer because most of people's people who are into beer or into craft beer at the minute or have been riding this big American sort of um, hop, hoppy IPA kind of wave, which I think might be slowly dying down a bit. But sour beer is still very acquired taste. I think you're not going to discover sour beers at the pub it's more likely you discover it on the bottle shop shelf yeah. by buying something you don't see a lot of sour beer on tap you don't unfortunately especially not in this country in America it's huge yeah There's so much of it in Belgium obviously it's very big I remember how you know going to a bar in Belgium and having four or five different lambics on tap and they were severely mouth puggering <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine the whole bar Absolutely looking like cat's bums. Mm. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. And, and again, yeah, they don't taste like beer at all. 
No, and I think I think you'll find that there are some similarities between people that like sour beers and some people that are wine drinkers, and they can yep. they can find yep. comfort in the fact that they're not just completely going over to the dark side and drinking beer. They're you know they're bringing something of their passion along with them, so they can yeah you know taste that. Especially seeing a lot of sour beers are probably uh, aged in wood and and or with fruits as well, which mm. definitely brings it more towards a a winier. Um, type of drink and it's usually a, a bit thinner in the body yeah <clears throat> again that's usually due to some of the yeasts that have been used which will eat up more complex sugars and therefore give you a, a thinner uh, resulting drink which is more like wine yeah so in terms of in terms of sour like sour production mm. obviously in the same way that you can you could find a yeast variety that is off the shelf a liquid yeast or a dry yeast my assumption is that you can do the same thing with sours, but is that what people are doing, or are they trying to collect a yeast variety that is unique from their area? Like, because I know in Belgium they they've got, you know, their breweries are basically infested with that strain. Mm, yes. So how how do people get access to that stuff? Well, well, first of all, it's not it's not a yeast that does any souring; it's bacteria that does the souring. Oh, okay. So you've got a, a lactobacillus, um, of which there are huge amount of varieties you've got um you know lkzi or lactobacillus kzi which is what you'll get in your probiotic yogurts and things like that um and also uh pediococcus which is another bacteria they're the ones that do the souring it's the one if you call that something call someone that in the pub you're gonna get in trouble yeah you're a pedo yeah cockers cockers yeah Um, um yeah right yeah they they do the souring yep um you also need to use them in conjunction with the yeast to finish fermentation. Yeah. But quite often they're used with uh, Britannomyces in order to give funk as well as sourness. So, do you think? Um, cheers, mate. Do you think? And I must, I must just say right now we are drinking. What are we drinking, Chris? Uh, we're drinking a blueberry wheat beer, mm. which has got a little bit of uh, lactobacillus in it. Um, seems to vary from bottle to bottle. And it's I think that's par for the course, definitely isn't it? not as clear as it should be. But <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, we're doing a podcast, so yeah. I won't put any photos up. That's all right. Um, so can you take me through? So can you take me through um, exactly the process then? If you're producing producing a sour beer, um, how that differs from producing something like an ale? Well, you've got a few different ways of producing a sour beer. You can do a sour mash which is basically allowing your mash to sit mm. at a, at an, um, at a mid-range temperature um, until it becomes sour. Yeah. And then once you've reached that sourness, you then boil it off um, to, to fix that sourness in. Yeah. Or you can do kettle souring, which is when you've done your mash and everything's off into the, the, the kettle. So before boiling, you then add... Something like uh, Lactobacillus brevis, which I haven't had some of in the fridge. Uh, uh, how are you going? Good, good. how are you? Yeah, very good. And then leave it for a while, uh, again at a temperature of around 45 degrees, basically in the danger zone that you would try and yeah. avoid leaving food in, yeah. is what you would lead, leave your wort in. Um, <laughs> and you can simply just scatter um, a handful of raw and milled grain into that because yeah. there's. Um, Lactobacillus and other things present on the outside of the grain. grain, Again, you could just throw a handful of any old 
you know, seeds and things from your garden. Just anything yeah. that you think is going to be contaminated. Yes, pretty much. Which is completely goes completely against everything yeah. that you're taught. Yeah. yeah. But um, again, with that, the beauty with that is that's what's considered a hot side um, addition. So you've, once it's got to the level you want, which you've measured with a pH meter or by taste, you then boil it to fix that sourness by killing the lactobacillus. Oh, uh, so you actually, you can control that. You've got, you, you can see where things are at and you can say, right, yeah. I'm happy where it is now and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to stop this process. And, yeah. that's right. and because that's all a hot side uh, process, it really rules out cross-contamination with your clean beers. Yeah. Uh, the other way is cold side, which yeah. is basically once you've boiled your wort, chilled it down, usually a low IBU wort because yeah. the bacteria don't really like a lot of hops. Different strains of lactobacillus have different hop tolerances. Uh, you then add a um, something like a White Labs Berlinerweiss blend, yeah. which has uh, lactobacillus and yeast yep. um, in it, and then they they both start to go to work. Uh, basically, the the yeast starts off yeah. fermentation, but it leaves behind some other sugars, which the lactobacillus then. Um, then consumes producing lactic acid, yeah. so it gives you. A, that's quite an easy, safe way. Yep. It continues to get sour in the bottle. Yeah, I mean, it, it all sounds exceptionally more complicated than producing a very straightforward beer. Um, do you think that once you start working with sours, do you think you're less likely to go back because producing something that's so complex and people have, um, you know, I a have a hard time going through it. Or B, they get hooked immediately and just want to know more about it. It's it's hard for you then to go back to just producing normal ales that people just drink and they just go, oh, that's nice. Yeah, for me, that's a long question. No, that's all right. <laughs> for me, <laughs> rambly. For, I for think me, probably that is the case. I've actually got, you know, uh, a shed full of beer and I've got, I think probably about seven or eight different things fermenting in, right. in the laundry and none of them are normal beers. They're all sour, all infected, or all on fruit or, so, or something. <laughs> so uh, what I really want to do over the next couple of weeks, I've just cleaned out a couple of fermenters, yeah. is just make an IPA or a session. You, you just you need a break. I need something that I can. Do, I need something that I can just open when people come around and go. <laughs> here's a here's a glass of beer. Well, it's, you it's mentioned not, it's not I'd, funky. I'd, it's not weird. It's not challenging. It's just a nice glass of beer. And people can just happily drink it mm. while we serve them some great food. Now, Chris, you just mentioned your shed. I'm very intrigued. Can we have a look inside? We can indeed. I'll do the uh, Indiana Jones Just type for those listening, recording method. It is a normal shed, a More probably like six a by four, but it is packed, absolutely packed to the ceiling with amazing beers. Anyway, back to us. Just thought I'd jump in. Right. Uh, mind that. Mind that. You do. You've definitely got a, few things. a got lot empty, of stuff in here. Chris. Empty on your right hand side. And, um, yeah. That this is uh, this is quite impressive. Um, this is the well. Considering you've got so much in here, what's the aging range for these types of beers? Uh, this beer here, which I bottled, I probably when I bottled it a while ago. You can see it's got a bit of. Yeah. Uh, sort of a film or yeah. pellicle that's called on the top there. That's um, that's bottled from beers that were aging between um, one and three years, mm. and I blended a percentage of each of those into the bottles, and then that those bottles ideally would age until this Christmas. Yep. Um, and then I'll give them a try. I've actually tried a couple of them since then, and they're coming along very, very nicely. <laughs> very, very nicely. Um, 
Well, actually, I have got some very just. See, this is just ale. No, this is a very standard um, ale, which I'm going to open a couple of now. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Well, anyway, um, thanks for uh, thanks for showing me around, and um, my pleasure. Really appreciate the time, um, and hopefully, I get to taste a fair few more sours. I think um, so. I think that's as definitely they, as they age. Huge possibility. All right. Well, thanks uh, Who knows, very much. Maybe you'll get hooked to make some of your own. I might even try. Thanks very much, Chris. All right. Well, there you have it. I spent a great deal of time with Chris going over this topic, and I really enjoyed it. He's an absolute treasure trove of information on sour beers, and he just gave me the advice. If you want to know more about it, just do what he's done, and that is Google the absolute hell out of it. Read as much as you can. There's heaps of magazines. There's heaps of really good books out there. And it's worthwhile. If you're interested in trying to make a sour beer, listen back. Chris has got some great tips in there. Okay, that was it. The end of the first episode of Hopped Up. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And even if you didn't enjoy it, thanks for getting this far through it. All right, so hit me up. My email contact details will be within the information section for this podcast. And I'd like to know what you guys think. If you want to hear more of me rattling on with other people, then tell me. If you guys want to hear about beer history or a particular topic within the industry, let me know. I'll do my best to try and find out about it. Now, again, this podcast might not come out again for another month, but I'll try and make sure that the information that's there is something you guys are wanting to listen to. So that's about it from me. I'll uh, I'll see you again next time on Hopped Up.